You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. I just had a huge sigh there before that intro ended because I'm very, very hot. Driving back today was not enjoyable. Um, but what was enjoyable was three points for Aston Villa. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Hello, yeah, I'm um, I'm melting a little bit. Today was the first time that I've ever approached Villa Park and left Villa Park rubbing plentiful amounts of um, sun cream into my big fat bald head. Uh, <laughs> and we won, so it might become you know it might become a, yeah. a tradition. Now. It might be a superstition. If I'm I'm on Boxing Day, I've got um, white <laughs> eyebrows. It's not the snow. It's from uh, some sun cream. But yeah, very hot. Um, very pleased that we've. Um, I wouldn't say we completely put last week behind us, but we, we've got got the season off to a winning start at Villa Park. Um, and Villa adding a, little, adding a little bit of late drama so that we didn't just have a comfortable cruising 2-0 victory. <laughs> yeah, um, I said in the preview that we did yesterday, me and Ash, um, we used the Australian intro for that with him in the, the core cacks. I said, when we used this last, we won a game. So now that we've beaten Everton, next week's preview, we've got to use the Australian intro again until until we start losing again. Um, just trying to get your money's worth out of you. Yeah. People are saying, we prefer the French one. It's like, oh, we won with the Australian one now, so we, we need to stick with that. Um, there's a lot of people asking questions already about Carlos's injury and Buendia and stuff like that, and we will get to that throughout this podcast. Um, you just said there about, you know, good to get the season off to a start already. I mean, you know, Finishing pre-season last week with a, a with a loss at Bournemouth, it's not the best, is it? But you start the season today with a one nil win, a two one win at home for the first uh, proper game of the season. It's all rose, isn't it? Let's just pretend Bournemouth was pre-season down on the seaside. Season starts today. Um, I did say that the mood and the optimism and stuff would change if we did beat Everton today. Um, there's a lot of kind of pressure and angst before the game of, you know, if we lose, what's the atmosphere going to be like and these kind of things. So to to get through the game. You know, relatively comfortably, I think, up until the last ten minutes or so, um, you know, is is a good sign. You think about how the how the weather might have affected the, the game as well and stuff like that. But for the most part, pretty not convincing. But I was never threatened by Everton. Put it that way until those last ten minutes. No, I've just read some some comments from Gerard at the end saying it was probably one of the most controlled performances that he's seen from Villa since he's been here, and mm. I kind of agree with that. I thought second half. I thought, although we got one, only one nil up, and always want that second goal. I didn't, I didn't actually see any danger of Everton scoring until we went and <laughs> went and scored ourselves again towards the end. But I thought it was was controlled. I thought there was some some big performances from. Um, I thought Kamara looked looked gave glimpses. I don't want to suddenly anoint him as the as the saviour. Um, but I thought no, yeah, me neither. Say again. Me neither. <laughs> You've been getting a bit carried away. <laughs> well, you can complete your point. No, just just that you know you saw it with your own eyes, but I thought he he brought some energy. I thought what I, I really liked about him is he seems to be able to. He's not only kind of big. He's not only mobile and physical, but he seems to be able to get himself in spaces where he can win the ball the ball back by using his body shape mm. quite well. Um, there's a couple of times I think when he got caught, you know, halfway inside our, our own half. Uh, but for the most part, I thought I thought he was probably probably the standout player. I think it was probably between him and Mings for my mm-hmm. um, my man of the match. Um, you know, it's it's been an interesting interesting episode with with Mings and and, and Gerard and is there a falling out and how are they looking at each other in the eye and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
But I thought it, I, I hope that what comes out of it, that, you know, I'm a big, big Tyrone Wings fan, as I've said, said countless times on here. And I just felt there was a newfound appreciation for him from mm. Villa Park today. You know, mm. his chant was chanted out perhaps, you know, three or four times. We don't hear that very often. Um, Four kick off as well. Yeah, and I, I think whatever this episode has done, I think it's reminded some Villa fans and the manager that, you know, regardless of whether he's had dips in forms or whatever, this bloke is a professional committed player. Uh, mm. And in my mind, Villa are better with him in the team. Um, and he certainly... <laughs> I did worry, you know, I did worry, is he going to come and drop a clanger today? Is this going to be the one? Where, it's important to have a good game, for sure. Scores an OG or something or gives a, gives a silly silly goal away. But uh, no, I thought he was pretty, um, yeah, I thought he was, it was a very, very good performance for me. So those are my, those have been my, my two standouts, I think, today. Mm. Despite what you've just said about timings, you know, he's not, he's not achieved anything, so he's not allowed an opinion on anything. We can only talk about his football <laughs> and ability. Uh, we'll come back to Graham soon as later, because I would like to talk about that, but let's focus on the game first. Um, we'll do what we do when we start all of these. We'll, we want to team news, first of all, when that came out. We did our predicted 11 yesterday, me and Ash, and Ash went for... Um, did he go for the number 10 or did I go for the number 10? He went for the two 10s behind the striker. I went for the one 10 behind two strikers. I thought we'd play two strikers against their three centre-halves. So Ings and Watkins made sense. I actually put Watkins and Archer in my predicted 11 just as a bit of a, a curveball. Yeah. But it was always going to be Ings, I think. And I had Wendia as my 10 instead of Coutinho. But again, I thought it was always going to be Coutinho. But, you know, just for a curveball, let's stick uh, Wendia in there. Fort Louise might play for Ramsey because he's not had a, a great pre-season. Didn't do much last week. But again, he had a good performance today as well, I thought. And I put Mings in there as well with Carlos. I thought this is what I would like to see. I think that's our best centre-back partnership on paper. But all the kind of media stuff that came with Mings last weekend and, and the week that followed, if it's just an injury, there's no reason to not put Tyra Mings back in there if he's fit and ready. But if it's all this, you know, this, you know like you said, is the summit there, is the, is the not to, to drop him last week for whatever circumstances and then have to rely on him this week. I thought, mm, maybe Gerard won't throw him back in again, almost just to prove a point a little bit. Um, but Mings was back in there. Uh, Watkins was back in there. Ramsey kept his place, and I thought, like I just said, he he was better than he was. But Watkins was good as well. I thought he looked up for it. He looked to uh, had a bit of hunger about him as well. But yeah, Mings and Kamara the two for me that were the standout performances. But yeah, like I said, team news. What did you make of it when it when it first dropped at half eleven? I was quite half eleven. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long day. A long day. <laughs> yeah. It seemed. Um... I was pleased that the manager and we don't we don't know what's gone on and there's been rumours here, there and everywhere um this week about Tyrone Mings. See what I did there? Yeah, um I was pleased that he was back in because mm. we don't we don't need grudges, we need the best people, the best characters um on the on the field of play. So I was pleased that we that he was in there. Um yeah, it doesn't surprise me at the moment that Coutinho gets the nod over Buendia. I don't think that's fair, but that just seems seems to be the way. And we'll come to that later, whether that changes on the back of what what, what we've seen today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... It, it, Gerard's got this real, real puzzle for me now, that he's got the strongest squad we've had since the O'Neill era. And a manager with a very big reputation, probably a manager with, a, with a big, the biggest reputation that we've had since the, the O'Neill era he's got to make that happen so i don't know whether two tens behind a center forward or do you know what i mean one ten behind two center forwards or whether 
Coutinho or Buendia are the one or whether Bailey should play. Yeah, I don't I know. But I want my manager to know and I mm. want him to find out quite quickly, basically. So I think it's I think it's a, a real challenge for him. I think the the next what I'd like to see is and I know we've got a break in the season coming that'll be on us before we know it, but I'd like to get a settled team within mm. or, or at least a settled, a settled way or a settled plan. I don't know whether that does happen anywhere. I don't know whether football's a horses for courses game now. So perhaps mm. I'm perhaps I'm being naive. But to me, we keep having this these dilemmas. Should it be there? Should it be that? Should we play this way? Should we play that shape? It's up for the manager for me to 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 suss that out fairly quickly. He's been he's he's had probably, you know, what did he have? Two thirds of last season? Um, yeah. He's had a he's had a, a, a full summer now. He, he just needs to needs to solve these puzzles. And I think today there were some some decent signs. To be honest, everybody's doom and gloom after last week, understandably. But um, I thought it was a measured performance today, even if it wasn't the most exciting game ever. I think the key thing was to exert control and to and to win mm. the game and achieve both of those things. I think we're always going to have possession. There's still some concerns for sure. Like I'm not saying that because we've won today, that's the best Villa performance we'll have seen ever, and it's you know that's the best we'll be all season. Um, it still it does still feel like we struggle to break a team down if we have to. But you know, for the vast majority of the games across the Premier League, we're probably going to have counter-attacking opportunities. We're not going to have to break teams down every single week. So far against Bournemouth and Everton, we've had to you know it's, the onus is on us to, to make something happen. And I do find that that is a struggle at times. Coutinho, still not sure. Just doesn't. It's not quite clicking at the moment. My dad was saying on the way there that Coutinho's better at home, and I was thinking, well, today's the day to then to to go and do something. But again, he didn't do enough to make me think that yeah, he's the one that should be starting. Is he as hungry um, as is he as hungry as Buendia? I don't you think know, so. Are they, are they different? I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying he's tossing it off or that he he's not in, interested. I, I think he's far too professional to do that. But. They're in a different kind of trajectory. I can never say the word trajectory. Trajectory. They're on different trajectories. Uh, I put my teeth back in, and it's like Buendia. You know, this is his big. This is his big opportunity on the way up. And I always think with Coutinho, is there a little bit there that thinks, "What happened?" <laughs> I'm going to get Villa fans are going to slag me off left and yeah. But kind of what happened to me? Where where did my journey make me fall out of the Champions League? Hmm. More you Liverpool, I mean? Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Aston Villa. I mean, we can all be... Yeah, Aston Villa is a massive football club and yeah, we love obviously. him dearly with all our hearts. But I just wonder, if if Coutinho was able to bring the same kind of intensity that Buendia does to his performance, hmm. would he trump Buendia with the extra experience, probably the extra quality? Um, hmm. I don't quite see it. I think it's a little bit of... It probably is a little bit of motivation. I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, I want to be. I want to be careful to say that I'm not digging out Coutinho to say that he's not bothered. I don't. I don't think that's the case. I just mm. think how can what can we do to trigger that little extra bit of energy out of him? Because sometimes without that, I think he is in danger of being a passenger. Yeah, I think we have to play a certain way to get the best out of Coutinho, and he's got to have space, and he's got to have runners around him to make him have that little bit of magic and, and find the time to thread a ball or whatever. Whereas Brendier comes on, and he look, he looks like he'll make something happen regardless of what people are doing around him. Um, I actually texted you during the game saying my prediction is Brendier comes on and will get himself sent off because I was watching him warm up in front of me, and every time he walked past, he's got this proper stern face, serious, looked like he was proper like not hurt by not playing, but. When I get on, I'm going to prove a point. And I thought, typical little little warrior gets on, bit of a hothead. He'll come on here, try and work, try a bit too hard, do something silly, and get himself sent off. 
obviously you go along you the way, going around as well today, weren't they? Yeah, I just thought, you know, we've got the way the atmosphere is going and, you know, the, the weather and whatever else, you come on and be a bit too try hard and do something silly and be back off again. But he's got that mentality of I'll prove you wrong when I start, when, when I play and I'll, I'll do something and I mean, scored, scored what's proved to be the winner, I suppose, today. Um, I mean, I didn't even see their goal, by the way. <laughs> it happened so quick after after the second one. I was texting back to the office, uh, post this or, you know, do this at full time or whatever. And I looked up and the ball was in the back of our net. I, I literally didn't even see what went on. I think somebody said it was 90 seconds between uh, the ball going in the one end and then the other. Yeah, um, we'll come, come to that in a bit. It was, it was a bit chaotic, to be honest. I just wanted to kind of talk about when you mentioned Watkins, and I think he's ended up with, with two assists today. And... Mm. My lad on the way back was saying he got man of the match somewhere. I don't know whether it was a Premier League man of the match. I, I presume Ings got the BT Sport man of the match. I saw him being interviewed um, yeah. on the pitch at the end. And the Watkins and Coutinho thing is interesting for me because I've got this theory that I, mean, I thought Watkins was okay today. Well, he's got two, two assists, probably could have scored, well, probably should have scored towards the end. I just never, I'm never 100% convinced there's a plan in his own mind, when he's got the ball. Who is this? Now, no, this is, this is Watkins. Watkins, sorry. I'm yeah. not sure he sees pictures soon enough. And I mm. think sometimes he'll run with the ball to try and get the picture to emerge and kind of run into cul-de-sacs or take a loose touch. And I just think, listen, I'm not, I think he's a, I think he's a good player. I think these, these are a 15 goal, I don't want to say 20 goal, 15 goal Premier League, Premier League striker in there. But, just think sometimes you just I don't know um, maybe maybe is the old kind of um, the the kind of Gabby Bond the whole thing where playing on instinct you know mm. you do things on instinct but given given time to think maybe that's when it becomes an issue uh, having said that you know he I, th- I thought at first the 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 assist for Buendia I thought it was a shot that he dragged but watching it back it is a, it's a measured pass and he looks up so he is capable of those moments of 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 coolness in, in mm. those areas, but just think we need a little bit, a little bit more from him. Um, you know, I know we can't, um, we can't wind back the clock, but I wonder what Danny Ings, a Danny Ings of five or six years ago, um, mm. in that Villa team would look like, but we'll, we'll never know. Um, but yeah, so that again, I thought Watkins was, was a probably seven, a seven out of seven out of 10, which again, right. can't go yeah, I thought his hold up play looked looked better in parts as well. There was a couple of moments where I like physically said, "Oh, he did well to like keep that in play," or or made a bit of a chance out of nothing. I think he brought brought the ball down nicely and played it off to someone. I thought well, he found his he almost like found his touch again, kind of thing. And obviously got to back that up in in the coming weeks and get on the score sheet himself at some point as well. Um, Jack Ramsey got the BT Sport Man of the Match according to our really? comments, and Ollie Watkins got the Premier League. Uh, app man, official Premier League man of the match. Um, oh, well, there you go. So that's Ings, Ings was doing the interview. Ramsey got the man of the match on there. Um, Ollie Watkins got it there, and we come on and said Kamara and Mings. Yeah, I thought it'd be between Mings and um, and Kamara personally. It reminds, um, me of, um, reminds me of Mick McCarthy's um, famous saying that is he said, uh, what was it? Opinions, I think, I think he said, is it op- opinions were like, um, should I say backsides rather than swear? <laughs> opinions are like backsides, we've all got them, but it doesn't mean we necessarily all need to air them in public or something, something <laughs> like that. Um, interesting one because I thought I love it when he's in full flow. There's only him and Matty Cash in my mind who really commit players by, by running at them. Um, mm. 
and there's a couple of times early on where Ramsey did that and mm-hmm. he fed off the crowd and the crowd fed off him. Um, a little bit of there's a, there's a few kind of clumsy un, and untidy moments in there as well, but I thought the midfield looked looked like a decent a decent kind of combination today. Mm. Um, the three players that that played in there, it was a, probably a standard a standard McGinn performance as well. Kind of busy, um, you know, trying his look occasionally, trying to spread the play occasionally. Um, I, yeah, I thought like I said, I thought I thought it was a, a controlled controlled and measured performance. So I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, we'll talk about the midfield in a second. We've got a sponsor, Matt, that I need to shout out. We've got a sponsor for the next couple of episodes. Uh, I don't know whether you know anything about this or not. We talked about it on the match preview yesterday. Um, it's NordVPN. There's a little visual here that I can play while I read some stuff off my emails. Alison, the Liverpool goalkeeper, aren't they? <laughs> um, so NordVPN is a place where you can uh, go and hide your... Uh, IP address and all those kind of things for privacy. If you're using public Wi-Fi, you can watch Netflix from different countries and have access to different TV shows and, and programs and films and stuff like that. Now, the one for me is when you're on stuff like social media and you're trying to watch a clip of a goal or something like that and it comes up with that pesky message saying that it's not available in your in your area and stuff like that. Um, if you're using a VPN, you can kind of switch your location and get access to, to different things. Um if you sign up with Claret and Blue, if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash Claret and Blue, the link is down below in the description. You get a huge discount off your plan and four months free. Uh, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to go and sign up to that, you can. Have I pressed that video twice, by the way? Did I press that thing twice? There we go. I'm back. Um, so if you want to go and sign up to that, the description is uh, the link's in the description below. You go, mate. You're going to get yourself. You're going to, you're going to stick stick this on your showreel for some more voiceover work, or what? <laughs> I doubt that very much. Lord um, VPN brought to you by Daniel Rowlandson. Rowlandson. It's Rowlandson. Yeah. Had this before, haven't we? Yeah, the, the company that's always dealing with it all said, oh, we won't send you a script, like just wing it on air. And I was like, oh my God, how much pressure is this just to do that live? I don't know what to say. Just send me a script next time, please. But yeah, go and start up to that if you if you want to. Um, back to the football, back to the midfield. We talked earlier about um, Kamara. Now, I think, based off one performance that I've seen in person. <laughs> the best Kamara, player I've ever seen. Best player I've ever seen. I think Kamara is our best midfielder currently at the club by a mile. I think. I don't, I don't think there's anyone close to him in the midfield that's as good as him. I think that's a bit of a problem. I think you've got Kamara up here and you've got McGee and Ramsey Louise down here and we probably need someone else to be in the middle there, pushing Kamara to play alongside him. He looks like he can do the things that our midfielder hasn't been able to do for 10 years, probably. And when he's doing the simple things, which are just simple things, he's doing them very well. Um, I think we've had players like Nakamba before who can do the simple things well and break the play down. And you think, oh, that was great. And then he has to play a ball 10 yards and, and gives it away again. But he just, Kamara just seems to be everywhere. The amount of headers he won in that in that um kind of number six position, but just in front of the, the centre-halves and, and pinging it back out towards Watkins or whoever and, and not allowing them um, to come at us and having people there to break it down. And then when he does get on the ball as well, he has got the feet to, to play a pass and, and bring bring things forward a little bit. You've got Ramsey off him, who, who's doing the running, and McGinn's a, a busy body in there as well. But I feel like Ramsey and McGinn are a bit too similar. So if you've got one of those two, Kamara, and then somebody else in there with, with a bit more quality to, to do things and link up the play better with the front three, that is a good midfield on paper. It's just it's lacking something a little bit. But Kamara is next level, I think. I'm just wary of um, building him up too soon. Yeah, of course, 
But you can only see what, what's in front of you. I mean, last week, nobody did anything well. He's got to obviously back it up and be consistent. But you know, we're all talking about we, we kind of um, snatched him away from European clubs and getting him on a free. But high wages is still a good deal because you know one day he might go on to be a, a £60 million midfielder or whatever. He's you know He does look like he can be that player and only 22, I think. I think I said in our pre-season preview, he'll be our player of the season and he's probably a candidate for... Obviously, he's got to back it up over the course of it. Could be a candidate for, for a Premier League player of the season as well, like a sign of the season, sorry. Well, just give it him now, ain't you? Yeah, well, I mean, not as well. He's that good, though. I think he was that good today. I think I think the sign the sign of somebody playing well in that in that particular position is that they, like you just said, do the simple things very well. Mm. You don't need to over-complicate it, really. You know, keep the ball moving quickly, be mobile, win the ball. I think that the problem that we've had certainly watching Villa in recent years is we kind of we can't we can't keep possession well enough that we don't have time to almost turn the screw on teams because we will give it away cheaply. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think he's somebody who can recycle possession really well for us because he knows that fundamentally winning the ball is only half the battle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We've had midfielders easy to dig out the camera. We've had midfielders who would win the ball, and then just when you think you've got the momentum, would give it back again. Mm. And I think, like you said, he, he, he looked he looked like he covered a lot of ground. He looked decent in the air. Um, he looked like he got a decent range of passes. Passing, you know, he tried to, to spread the play a couple of times. Um, yeah, really, really, really kind of impressive start. Uh, I just. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I wouldn't give any awards out. I'd leave, give it another, you know, a couple of weeks. I think so. Yeah, but yeah. You've got to kind, um, of, kind of got to caveat it a little bit by it's an Everton side that still don't look great this season and are still tipped to, to be right down the bottom by a lot of people. We've had a lot of possession because they they've allowed us to, and the weather of the ball. You know, I thought after about seventy minutes there was a few where you thought oh, we're kind of all flagging a little bit now. Matty Cash walked down to take a throw in front of us, and I thought he's blowing already. Like. West, West Kankas I don't got, <laughs> we might need a sub in a sec um, but yeah it's, uh, it's a good performance I thought there's no no grumbles really it's not like I said at the start it's not one I'll come away with and go that's one of the performances of the season because um, the last 10 minutes as I kind of tainted that a little bit with, with the pressure that we were under but for the most part controlled new signings look pretty decent the Carlos injury is, is, a, is a worry which we'll talk about in a sec but you know after last season being so pathetic all we had to do was, start, was win, and I wasn't really bothered how we did it, but the performance came with it as well, and I thought we were good enough to have some signs of encouragement going to Palace next weekend. Yeah, Everton are a poor side. On today's evidence, they're a poor we side. We were a poor side last week, so we had to be we had to be better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the kind of Calvert-Lewin being injured gives, takes away a big dimension from them, and sometimes when a striker warms up about to come on, you think, oh, no, he's going to turn the game. You don't really get that with Rondon. With, with oh, I thought Rondon would score because it's just peak Villa, isn't it, for someone like him uh, to come on and score? No, I was fairly confident he wouldn't. Um, you know, Anthony Gordon, you know, he's he's fast as anything and he's really quick. I thought he was the, the main danger man, but hmm. he's a bit of a... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think he, he might start started to believe his own hype a little bit. Hmm. He seems to be... He seems a bit to more. Have, yeah, I don't know. He's still got a little bit more of a more of a swagger than he's, he's yet to justify. Really, mm. um, I mean, yeah, you're right. To be fair, Rondon and Deli Ali coming on to change a game 
probably benefits Villa, to be honest. Whereas you look at our bench now, and you've got people like Douglas Louise, who's not even had minutes today. Your defensive substitutions are somebody like Chambers and Concer, who are probably good enough to start for, for most sides around the to middle 10 of the Premier League, that kind of 8 to, or maybe yeah. not, 10 to 13 or whatever. Yeah. Um, people like Buendia, who I think outside of anyone out of the, the traditional top seven or so, probably starts for most sides in the yeah. Premier League every week as well. Someone like Archer, who we've not even seen yet, um, we haven't seen today, could come on and do something as well. So you're now looking at it and thinking, if we make the full five subs here, we can have Bailey. We can make a, a side that's just as strong as the one that started, if not better in, in some arguments you could have. Um, whereas in years gone by, you'd be thinking, if we make a couple of changes here, we're probably worse off for it because the, the people on the bench aren't as good as who the starting eleven. whereas yeah. we have got that squad depth now. Yeah, and it, again, that's probably... It's not, all, it's not all Villa's doing because Everton have been a club in decline for, for a few years now. But the fact that we've come from where we were being relegated out of the division to have come past Everton and overtaken them. Hmm. I'd say by some distance. We're only two games into the season. But Everton have been an established Premier League club, you know, certainly since day one of the Premier League and been in the top flight a lot a lot longer than that. And we're in a place now where, I've got to be careful what I say because this, this could come back and bite me on the arse, but I expect to beat Everton. When we turn up at Villa, you know, mm. of, of the however many wins we'll get each season, beating Everton at Villa Park has for some reason become <laughs> one that's, you know, a bit like, I'm not saying that's going to happen this this year, but a bit like beating Newcastle at Villa Park. There's some games that we just mm. think that we turn up and we Blues. and we win. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it was interesting what you said about um, never really feeling any kind of sense sense of danger or jeopardy about the game. And then I was thinking about this on the way back. You know, we've spoken about the kind of the Villa way. What is the Villa way? I think they're probably the last five minutes were the Villa way, weren't they? You know, why why, why do the easy route when you can, yeah, make it, you never can take really the hard route? Um, a bit like you, I was a little bit kind of taken by surprise by the, um, by the goal that Everton pulled back. I think Matty Cash had already got injured by then and mm. was struggling and was was not in his usual position. Uh, and then it was just a little bit of chaos. And I really did think, well, so that goal at the time when Villa got the game won was one of the ones we think, here we go again. And they still didn't take cash off the pitch. Mm. They still had him on. Um, and there's a time where um, I think he was standing behind, he was, he was standing behind the byline, the north stand, and Gerard summoned you back on. Yeah. While the game was still in play. And I'm thinking, why have we got like a one-legged man coming back on to play? Mm. It can barely move to play Everton on side. Um, mm. And I think that was a really, not, not that particular moment, but the way that we switched off then and we didn't get an injured player off the pitch quite quickly, it could have resulted in an equaliser as well because Gordon's yeah. gone past cash, which I think would be a fairly even foot race normally. Mm. Uh, they're both pretty sharp. But because Cash was struggling, Gordon's gone past him, managed to cut it back for Rondon. And that's when Mings has reminded you why we all love Tyra Mings, stuck his leg, a long leg out and been able to deny Rondon. That could have been blowing the two-goal lead just mm. because we weren't clever enough. Mm. With more substitutes than we've ever been allowed to use in the Premier League before, we weren't yeah, sharp fine. enough to take, to take a, a, an injured player off. And I thought that was a little bit naive. Um, mm. I'm glad it didn't completely cost us. 
Yeah, the um, the subs. I mean, it's always going to be nervy at the end. You've gone from a back four to a back five. You're you've changed one centre back for two. Cancer and Chambers have both come on, and your right back's gone off Ashley Young as well. You're all of a sudden playing a back five, massively under pressure. Um, so I was just thinking that we're going to blow this. There's absolutely no chance that Everton don't score an equaliser because it's just peak Villa. It's absolutely what will happen to us. I thought um, Villa were just trying to find a way to use all of our subs. It was like a, it was like a kind of massacre at some stage. There was bodies lying in, in heaps. There was, Mings went down, Martinez went down, Cash was taken off injured, Carlos would obviously come to in a minute. You just thought, blimey, I know we've got these subs, but you don't have to all kind of <laughs> fall on the floor to, or to use them. When, no, when Martinez went down, I thought, is nothing wrong with him. He's just doing no. a bit of the dark arts. He's just trying well, that to... Was, yeah, there was, the, that was one of the things that impressed... Again, it's one of those things that an opposition team does it to you and you're absolutely infuriated. Mm. But there's a bit of that. Am I right in thinking Ashley Young got, was only on for two minutes and got booked for time-wasting? As well yeah, in there. that went was like a throw-in. There's one moment, Austin McPhee, you come and spoke to one of the ball boys, or it might have been a ball girl, actually. Um, what is, what's the word now? What is it? Ball, uh, ball officials. Ball Ball operative. There is actually a word for it. I don't know what it is. I forgot. It's not ball boys anymore. Um, Came to have a word with them early doors, probably about throwing the ball back quicker or whatever. And then at the end, Ash Young comes over to take one and um, really walks it slow and starts like, leave it, leave it like that. Yeah. And then picks up the ball and then swaps out for another one saying it was flat or something. And yeah. the yeah, ref books him for, for a yellow card uh, for time wasting. But yeah, it is those things. And Ash Young spoke about it um, last season about needing to be doing more of the dark arts and, and the dirty stuff to, to waste time. And you know, little things like that maybe held on to, to the win today and that's that's why you do it. I thought yeah, Martinez was good going I mean, down for stuff, for stuff like that as well and staying down on the floor and then Gene up the car when he got up yeah. and stuff like that. Just just little moments where you think we've got the edge here, so let's use it. Yeah, I don't, don't want to swear on the podcast, so I won't call it that housery. Should we call it Courtney housery rather? Courtney housery, yeah, good. <laughs> I like um, the confusing with people, aren't it? But yeah, no, like you said, it was good to uh, Martinez is the master as well, and he was trying to give it loads to kind of bring bring the bring the crowd to help help Villa over the line in the mm. last last few minutes. Uh, the injuries, I mean, Cash. I don't know whether Ash, uh, Cash. Someone's had, saying he's had a tight, a tight quad. I haven't seen anything from Gerard since, but it looked like he was stretching out like it was cramp. Um, and Carlos was saying, I thought well, they're stretching him out. So I was thinking, oh, maybe it's the weather, a bit of dehydration, stuff like that. So hopefully, as we were saying yesterday on the podcast about Kane Kessahide and going out now, what happens if Cash gets injured? Well, hopefully he's back for the next game and it's just a, a bit of cramp or something. Carlos is the big one. I've seen Gerard say about he's, he's worried about him and he's got to have an MRI scan and it's concerning and, and words like that. I mean, to spend twenty six million or something on a centre back and then losing him on first home game of the season, it's not ideal, is it? Yeah, listen, you know, he's he's a big unit, so you don't expect, you know, it's going to be something more than a, a broken toenail or something. It was, um, I think, it was his Achilles area. I think Gerard was was saying, and uh, the phrase that he used, something like that. The player was worried about the mechanism within his ankle, so that sounds. It does sound quite serious, doesn't it? If some, you know. They're not suggesting it's it's a kick or anything. Something something has been dislodged. Mm. Listen, I'm not a doctor. Something <laughs> has been dislodged from where it should be. It, it sounds quite painful and quite worrying. Um, so, yeah, you know, and I thought I thought there's the makings of a of a half decent partnership there today, um, mm-hmm. and at a time where I think we've got a really good core of four centre halves, um, any of whom. Could play, could play in a in a back two or a back a back three. Let's hope, let's hope that he's, he, it's not serious for, for for the lad's sake as well, because it's a big opportunity for him. Um, mm. This is a, 
listen, thing, things happen, but this is again so frustrating about Villa could have bottled that game up and finished it off and there wouldn't have been that kind of frantic kind of backs to the wall. Listen, people, somebody can get injured in any, yeah. you know, in any aspect of a, of a football match, but it's just, God, just put that, put that game to bed, <laughs> win it comfortably and then move on to next week. But uh, yeah, it's not, that's not the Villa thing. I mean, Mings seems to have a bit of a resurgence. People last year were saying, you know, we've got to replace Mings and that's what Carlos is coming to do and blah, blah, blah. I've always thought that Mings would still be first choice alongside a new centre-half. So, you know, for him to look like it back to his old form today is, is a positive if Carlos is going to miss a few. I think Mings and Concer or Mings and Chambers is a decent enough centre-half partnership for the next six weeks, say, if it was an injury like that. If this Carlos one is a, a three-monther or something like that, then I'd be slightly concerned. There's a few people saying, do you think we'll buy another centre-half? I'd be surprised. I think there's there's three good enough that are there in Chambers, Concer and Mings and we only play two at the back. So it's, I think they'll be fine and hopefully Carlos's injury isn't as bad as, as Gerard fears but when they, stay, they say things like that, you do kind of brace yourself for a club statement, Carlos out for the season post from Villa tomorrow or something. But like I said, fingers crossed it's not that bad. I mean, that's the um, main reason. And again, it was probably blown out of all proportion but that's, that's another reason why I'm glad that kind of Gerard and Mings have looked each other in the eye mm. and kissed and made up, to be honest, because we can't, you know, we've got a good sized squad, but I hope the days of having the kind of bomb squad where people mm. are just, you know, I don't like that style of management. I think people should be able to manage the players who aren't in the team. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, Villa will release some news in the next few days if, if, if Carlos does have a scan and we'll. Fingers crossed, it's 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 something a lot less serious than than Gerard has kind of made us feel. Really. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just preparing us for the worst, and then if it is only six weeks, we'll all go. Actually, you know what? That's not that bad. Um, let's talk about Brendan and Coutinho a bit. We we talked about it earlier about you know who should start and that kind of stuff. Um, if you were picking the side for Palace next week, would you start Brendan now? I think you, I think you do. I think you have to pick the pick the player players on form really. Mm. Um, you know, we know Coutinho is a world class class player, but is the difference between the two? Is he that much better than Buendia? Um, Certainly not with his performances. You know, back end of last season and, and what we've seen so far. And I think, like I said, I think I think the the hunger and the intensity that Buendia brings, um, I don't think Coutinho can match. So I, I would make that change. I don't know, you know, Coutinho came off with a knock today, so obviously we'll have to see what happens there. And mm-hmm. does that make it easier for Gerard to say, well, okay, we're going to give you a rest for for a week and, and give Buendia a go? I don't know. Um, what about you? I would, if it was up to me. I, when I, like I said, in my preferred 11 that I did last week, uh, yesterday for this week, I put Buendia in my team anyway, so I would be starting him now. Um, I think everyone will say he has to start, but I'm still not convinced that Gerard will if Coutinho is, is fit and ready. I don't know whether Coutinho has got five games or something to, to prove that he can get himself up to speed because it is still Philippe Coutinho and he has got moments of magic in him. But at the minute, every time Buendia comes on, you think, oh, we look miles better with Buendia. How is this guy not starting? Um, yeah, he, did, he did more in his half an hour than, than Coutinho yeah, in his hour. Yeah, yeah 100%. Not the goal. 
And like you said about that workman-like characteristics of making something happen himself rather than having to like, you know, Coutinho's got to be kind of protected in bubble wrap. Let's all work around here and make space for him, let him do his thing. Brendier comes on and puts a tackle in or whatever and you think, oh yeah, this guy's just going to make something happen on himself. He, he's fired up, he's ready to go. So I would start him 100% behind the same two strikers. I think that is the system that, that works the best. We seem less reliant on cash and Dean bombing forward at every opportunity today and, and would make things a, a different way few long diagonals over the top to chase down and stuff like that so I think the system is fine but as we said earlier there'll be different games where you've got to try different things Bailey can come in and offer us a bit of pace Archer as well is also still available um I was saying about it on, on the way back with my dad that like it's all this talk about like football changing a little bit and how five subs change things because you it's a squad game now and you know if you're still in the game at 60 minutes and Brendier comes on against tie legs and he ultimately wins the game for us job done like he doesn't have to start if he can influence a game a game like that but then the reverse can be said that if Brendier doesn't do anything in the first hour next week you've got Philip Philip Coutinho to come off the bench and influence a game and hopefully win you the game off the bench anyway so part of me feels like if you get the result it doesn't really matter who starts it's it's about what the what the players no, do when they come on the pitch yeah I think it's just rewarding but the flip side of that sorry is that if Brendier starts and we're 3-0 up at half time the game's won before that 60 minute mark and you don't need to make substitutions anyway so it's which one are you going to go for do you yeah, want to kill the game off early or kill the game at the end I just think if you've got two two very talented players um, you pick the one that's doing it more often than not don't you until he's not and then you move your other guy back in um, and you park any other feelings favoritism or whatever to one side but um, yeah there's one thing I want to mention about the, the other end of the pitch Actually, I just and for as well as this, this is sounds silly because we've said that the defensive partnership have have done well. I still think there's a vulnerability around Villa in defending crosses and defending mm. set pieces at set the pieces, moment. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure where it's where it's come from. And there's a couple of occasions, second half, where Everton have had corners. Listen, they weren't we weren't under any kind of concerted pressure, although it got a bit kind of you know. At, at the end, there's a couple of times when Martinez left his line and come and cl- claimed a couple of corners. And I don't know, and I don't want him to be one of these goalkeepers who just heads into no man's land and just mm-hmm. comes pump, punching and flailing at stuff just for the sake of it. But I'd like this is me probably asking a question. If I sound ignorant or naive, it's because I am. <laughs> I'd like to know what you think and what the viewers and listeners, if you like, think about that side of Martinez's game. Do we think that he he should be exerting more control around that six-yard area and beyond and trying and claiming more and, and clearing more? Or I don't I, know. I, I think yes in part, but he did claim two or three at the end that made me think, oh, that's relieved the pressure now. In that, that's in what that I mean. When he does it, I don't, I'm not sure I've seen that enough. Mm. I've seen bits of it today and it's calmed my nerves massively. Yeah. You, know, you don't yeah. want him to come to the penalty spot or to the, the edge of the, the penalty area and, and get it. But I just wonder. Um, I mean, that, listen, that's that's a hard, harsh criticism of him because I think he's the you know the best goalkeeper we've had for a long time. Um, but mm. something to me has to make us feel more confident in, and in control of those situations in our own penalty box. 
well, the two games so far, we said yesterday about uh, people you know, throwing the criticism that it's two wins in 12 and all this kind of stuff. And 13, win, uh, three, 13 wins, I wish. Three wins in 13 now, but I'm not going to keep looking back at records like that. For my own sanity, I've just got to break fresh at the start of the season. It's now one win from from two games. Lost the first one, won the second one. Let's see what happens in the third. I've just got to deal with it like that. But the two places in the last two games where we felt vulnerability and pressure is set pieces. Two Bournemouth goals came from set pieces, or I think the second one came off the back of a set piece, the second phase or whatever. And then today, an Everton side that don't really create a lot, not really bothered about their strikers, still every single corner or, or free kick or whatever that comes in, I'm thinking, oh, this could easily just end up in the back of the net. And if it wasn't for a couple of blocks, I think I think they could have scored from a set piece today. So yeah. there is times where you think, are we doing enough in terms of set piece defending in training and stuff to, to um, be prepared for it? Because that is a big part of the game. You can't just think, "Oh well, we're only ne- we're only um, susceptible to, to set pieces." That's not that bad. But it only takes one set piece to change a game, and and the result has gone against you. So they've got to be better at that. And I think Martinez is fine for the most part. And you know, if the evidence of the last ten minutes is to go by having someone who can come and claim stuff and lie on the floor for for ten seconds or so and, and kill the game is good. Let's do that a bit more often if if we can, please. That's how I'd look at it anyway. But it, it is a concern, I think. Yeah, like I said, I'm not 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 trying to be particularly harsh on him. I'm just trying to look at what what the potential solutions could be. Um, but yeah, I think it was. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just what we needed to be honest mm. to calm yeah. calm some of the. I wouldn't say hysteria. People are inclined to say what they want and to think. That's a bit of that. Want, there's been a lot of um, a lot of people. I don't know. Probably reading too much into that that first first defeat mm. last week. So we just needed something to. Uh, just steady the ship a little bit. I think that was that was the ideal yeah. way to do it. Yeah, last week was concerning. This week was more 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 comfortable and more more reasons to be positive. And now we've had a sample of each, haven't we? One good game, one bad game. Let's see what what the third game brings and, and average it out. Are we good against Palace or bad? Um, Palace away is a, a difficult place to go. So if we go there and, and nick a result or, or get the win, I think that's that's a good start to the season. Then six points from nine, um, and then try and take that momentum forward if we can. Um, do you want to talk about anything else on the game or do you want to move on to bits and bobs? I'm just trying to think. I think we've been quite comprehensive, haven't we? I've got a barbecue to go to. Yeah, we've done 40 minutes. So, so we chat some waffle about the waffle master, Graham Sooness. Oh, before that, can I just ask you in terms of my, my nonsense waffle? Can you, really, really quick, don't need to have massive detail. You know fresh orange juice? <laughs> God. Bits or no bits? No bits. No bits. Yeah, no bits. Why don't you like no bits? Why do you like no bits? Because when things are supposed to be smooth, like liquid and soup, I don't like bits in it. It's like a soup with chunky. When you like stuff a chunky, when you like a chunky vegetable soup, either then. No, because if I'm having a soup, I want it to be like a like a slurp. I want it to be liquid. I'm supposed to be drinking something effectively. So why do I want lumps in there? A, a choke hazard. So bits, bits, <laughs> bits, bits, bits in you're juice. Not, it's like this is supposed to be three months old. Down. This is supposed to go down nicely. I can feel like grittiness on my, on my throat. What's all that about? So no bits, but my fiance likes well, bits. Is, so here's one for you. When you're eating soup, then yeah, does that go down your drink hole rather than your food hole? <laughs> Yeah, there's two little pipes. One goes down the drink hole and one is the food hole and soup goes down the drink hole. It's not like, like ice cream. It's supposed to be soft. It's supposed to be smooth. It's supposed to be, you know, so there's this crunchy biscuity bits and stuff. It's like, oh, no, this is, it's not right. It doesn't satisfy me. 
You're a bits man, I'll take it. I just, I th- I th- maybe it's because I have very, very few of my five a day. It just kind of encourages mm. me that there's some, you know, with my soup, with my vegetables going down there and with my, my orange juice. Well, it, 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 it's really... Why, that? Why did you bring that up? Because I, I went to the shop on the way back and I bought I bought some, um, I bought a little carton of orange juice, and a, well, a little bottle of orange juice and I bought bits and I just I wondered what I wondered what what your verdict would be. It doesn't surprise me that you that you're a no bits man. But what has amused me is that it's because of the choke hazard, because you don't want to leave yourself vulnerable. I'm not going to choke on bits in orange juice, but it just doesn't sit right with me to have bits in a in a drink. It's like smoothies as well. It's got to be really blended up proper. If there's like a chunk of fruit in there, I'll be like, oh nah, that, that was weird. It's just not gone round. It's not gone down the drink hole properly. Yeah, I think so. I think chunky smoothies would probably be under the trade description act. You know, if you mm-hmm. choke on a big exactly, bit of yeah. radish smoothie. or whatever goes in there. Um, <laughs> anyway, what you wanted to have a whinge about soonest, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sick of Graham, Graham Soonest. We've talked about him a few times on here, aren't we? Over the years of him talking rubbish about Grealish, um, he slows Villa down. He holds onto the ball too long. You know, he doesn't he doesn't work at Villa. All these things. I think he moaned about the pitch being too, the grass being too long when we beat Liverpool. There's been a few occasions where I thought, oh, Graham, just shut up. What are you talking about? And part of this is the, whoever it was he was working for. I know he's on TalkSport now as well. So again, same thing. He's there to incite a reaction, to get clicks and shares and stuff. So I, I understand that this is giving this airtime, which is exactly what uh, the company, who I forgot it was, is it Daily Mail? Um, yeah. They've done this piece for. They want their publicity. We're giving it to them. I get that. But the stuff about Tara Mings yesterday that I saw about he's not achieved anything in the game. Why is he talking so much? You know, we've had him on in the Sky Sports studios to talk on stuff over Zoom. And I thought, oh, this lad's got a lot to say for someone who's never won anything. And I think for well, Graham's this, this lad's got a lot to say for someone who's been invited into the Sky Sports. <laughs> to do an interview. Yeah. Pundit, you know? Yeah, exactly. How dare he come and speak when that's what we're asking him to do. But for Graham Souness, who's literally you know, won everything with Liverpool, European Cups and blah, blah, blah successful player he's the proof of that winning stuff doesn't mean that you talk talk well because a lot of the stuff he says is drivel so his own thesis of if you won stuff your opinion counts and you speak sense he is the the antidote to that yeah listen it's uh it's the i tweeted last night didn't i it's the kind of old man yells at cloud type thing i think i think it's weird because Sunes obviously comes at things from a very pro Liverpool point of view. So you wonder if that was being painted as a Mings versus Gerard kind of spat, mm. which it has been in various places this week. He's going to side with Gerard. It's from a very old school footballers do their talking on the pitch, and you know should bow and scrape to their superiors and shouldn't shouldn't get ahead of themselves. That kind of mentality from the past. So, you know, in both of those arguments, Tyron Mings is going to come off worse, isn't he? Now, mm. I think I think it's harsh to say what's Tyron Mings ever ever achieved when he's gone from kind of I think kind of partial part, you know, temporary homelessness, I think, mm-hmm. you know, really, really kind of difficult upbringing. Um, to getting into the professional game very late, to getting into the Premier League, then having a big injury setback and getting back into the Premier League again and getting into the England squad, playing at a major tournament. I mean, is that not achievement? He's actually achieved quite a lot, and that's before you even talk about, you know, 
some of the things that he, you know some of the the things he does away from the pitch to try and make the world a better place um mm. if you like so it's just it's Graham Souness, isn't it you know if <laughs> this sounds really harsh if somebody we, we respected would have come out and said that would have been probably a little bit more taken aback by it but it's Graham Souness. That's what he does. That's what he's. That's what he's on there for. Almost mm. like the kind of shock jock of of, of punditry, um, in a way, by spouting out opinions that many people would say have had their day. A bit like me, to be honest. <laughs> give give it a microphone and talking crap. Um, <laughs> but I, I've, I've not achieved anything either. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. How dare you? I just don't. I don't like it. I don't know what the need is. You can just imagine, can't you? Him kind of popping up on a Zoom screen there, all off air on the studio, and soon as sitting there, kind of, you know, nose up and tutting. Oh, who's this guy? What's he? What's he ever done in the game? Why are we asking him to speak about diversity or the England squad or whatever reasons Tyrone Mings was on to speak on Sky? But I think it was during Project Restart. So how the players have got to be consulted with COVID and stuff. And it's like he's a, he's a Premier League captain at the time. That's an achievement. He doesn't have to. And there's a lot of players that have won trophies that talk absolute rubbish. So you know, winning silverware doesn't make your opinion worth more than anyone else's. Inside Pundrich is full of them, isn't it? But yeah. I think it's it's there's a difference between Tyrone has a lot to say. I think what he was really saying was Tyrone has a lot to say that Graham Sooners doesn't necessarily agree with. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Graham Sooners would ha- happily have Tyrone say anything all day long if it was reflecting his his world view. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was it, it was a bit of nonsense, and I think I think the, the Mings and Gerard, uh, I think I, I put a message out earlier in the week saying that we've got a very professional driven manager, we've got a very professional driven um, defender, and we've got our strongest central defensive unit that we've had for some time. Let's just hope <laughs> all those things got to pan out the right way, and I think. You know, if there has been words said behind the the scenes, then it's a good realization from me, from Gerard, that okay, how do I get an important person back in form, back on mm. side, and how can we go on like that? Because I think you start having stubborn grudges and you start making decisions based on that, and I think it sets you down a dangerous path, really. Well, you could argue what Gerard's done with Mings has worked from a yeah. performance perspective because he's probably had his best game in however long today. So. Yeah. You know, not having the pressure of the captaincy, not playing last week, whether that was to injury or, or whatever reason. He's now called upon him and said, I need you, you need to play. I'm relying on you at centre-half today. Come and show me what you've got. And he's played well. So that's a good thing for Tyrone Mings. It's a good thing for Aston Villa. And it's a good thing for Stephen Gerrard because his tactics or whatever you want to call it of, of leaving Mings of the, of the captaincy have worked. I thought McGinn as well also stepped up to that and did well in places as well. So, yeah, that's fair enough, isn't it? Um, on Sooners, I think, again, just to, to round it off, if there's more people like Tara Mings in the football world and less people like Graham Souness, I think the football world would be a better place. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I don't want to strip Graham Souness of all his medals and his honours, and he was a, he was a fantastic, a really, really good, successful, decorated player uh, and a fierce warrior, a horrible player at times as well. Um, so I'm glad football's had him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad football's seen him. Um, but I, I personally could live by occasionally seeing, seeing some of his um, best moments on YouTube as a footballer rather than reading some of the, his opinions. Um, yeah, um, yeah, like I say, it's but we've got we've got five minutes, five minutes of chatter out of him, mate. So, um, yeah. you know, 
what would we have had to um you know what would we have had to talk about to fill time if you hadn't said that <laughs> oh yeah i know what whether we have juice in our, bit, our bits in our what about you know when you you know when you have like Cadbury's now do their kind of dairy milk and they start putting everything in, don't they? Like bits of crunchy, bits of mm. marshmallow and stuff like that. Where you know, I don't like that. Because chocolate that's going hard. down your food hole. Chocolate anyway. is chocolate. I've got to chew anyway, so it doesn't matter that's if you chew bits in it. If yeah. it was melted chocolate and it had bits in it, I'd be thinking, Oh, I'm sorry to have a melted chocolate, whereas this has got crunchy stuff in, so yeah, same same thing. Let's, let's, let's come back to this. Let's have a let's do a do a food hole drink hole special in future. <laughs> Can we stop saying food hole and drink hole? It sounds so crass. Um, do you want to give a shout out to Neil the steward? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I bumped into a steward called. Don't didn't literally bump into him. I bumped into a steward called Neil at the top of the steps uh, in the Trinity today, and he he, he said hello. Um, I don't. He said he occasionally watches this, which oh. to me is somebody who doesn't watch it very often. But I think he knows <laughs> me from my back catalogue. Um, when I actually used to write. Um, but yeah, so he he was a he was a lovely fella, and uh, I said I'd give him a shout out just so we can get him back. You know, he's one of those lapsed users, so we need mm. to get him back. But pro- actually, I might give him a shout out every week now just to check that he's here all the time. Um, I mean, if he has tuned back into this thinking, oh, I might be getting a shout on that podcast, he won't be here now after fifty two minutes. Think so. talk, talked about orange juice and bits yeah. and Graham Sooners, and he won't. No, he actually said to Probably me, wrong, Neil, if he's still here. No, he said, can you get food on and drink all into the podcast? Um, so that's what I'm doing. Anyway, are we done? We're done, I think, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Matt, for joining me on the post-match debrief for the first time this season. I said to Ash yesterday, I think the format for these will be you and me for home games, as a rule, me and Ash for away games, because we won't have seen away games because we're not there. If an away game is on TV and we're both watching it and available, we might do what we did in lockdown and jump on on the full-time whistle. I think we play out when, um, Arsenal on a Wednesday night on TV in a few weeks. Got Bolton on TV now as well. So it might be you and me doing those on a Tuesday night or whatever, if that's all right with you. Okay, good. Thumbs up for those who are only listening. Um, he's not gone mute. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching uh, on this Saturday afternoon. If you're watching this instead of out having a beer, thank you very much for, for, for joining us. We'll be back on, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, maybe Pat or Ash or somebody can have their say on the Everton game as well. And then we'll look ahead to Crystal Palace next week. Something else Just to add? Funny, Dan, if, I, um, if I wanted um, a VPN service... <laughs> What would you uh, recommend? I would scroll down to the description of this and click on the link that says nordvpn.com forward slash cloud and blue for a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months free. How was that? Seamless, mate. Seamless. Good. But I said seamless integration is what we want, so just shoehorning it at the end is, is seamless. <laughs> We've done the job there. Thanks, NordVPN, for that. And it's only going to be for the next few podcasts anyway, so... Yeah, they've got sick of us before then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, thank you very much for watching the Claret Blue podcast. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.